1: That
0: was a real turning point for our company. To have somebody full-time working on our marketing was a real turning point. Because before that, it was me doing it. One of the things I should have done earlier was hired an assistant to do. Something. There was a lot of stuff I did that didn't work. The LinkedIn thing was one of the things that I did that did work. So I don't want to give anybody the impression that my first couple of years in business, I just hit bat in a thousand and just nailed it. That wasn't the case at all. My name is Josh Turner. I am 38 years old. Today I'm at my company's office here in downtown St. Louis. Our company is called Linked Selling, and we have a few different things we do. We're primarily known for what we do on LinkedIn. Companies hire us to help them get leads and appointments for either themselves or their sales teams using a process we've developed on LinkedIn. Some people hire us to do it all for them. Some people join our training programs and want to do it themselves or train their teams to do it themselves. In addition to that, over the years, we've developed some additional products, including one called Connect 365, which is a software platform for sales automation and email marketing, specifically for lead generation and sales outreach and sales follow-up. We've been on the Inc. 500 a couple times. I have a Wall Street Journal best-selling book called Connect, We have a team of about 48 people right now and enjoying life here in St. Louis with my family, my son, Eddie, my partner, Jess. And that's about
1: it, man. Can you tell us about revenues or how many clients you also have in this LinkedIn business?
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll probably be a little bit short of $10 million in revenue this year. You can go look us up. It's public because of the Inc. 500 stuff. You can see what we've done over the last few years. What was the second part of the question? Numbers of clients? Yeah. Thousands.
1: Was it worth joining the Inc. 500? Because I've heard different varieties of people who were excited that they did it and then people who regretted it. So what's your take on it?
0: I don't know why anyone would regret it. It gets you a lot of publicity and it positions you as a very credible company when you're one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. You just have to pay a little fee and then send them your financials and then they let you in and put you wherever you rank on the list. If you don't want people to know what your revenue is or something like that, then don't do that. But otherwise, it's been good publicity for us and it's good for credibility and trust and all those things.
1: Yeah. I guess the only thing that I've heard, there's the Inc. 5000, Inc. 500. I don't know if there's other ones. Maybe it was the Inc. 5000 they were talking about that. Maybe their revenue isn't as big. So they're just getting spammed a lot with whatever they're putting out there. Maybe they don't want their revenue numbers shown. Everyone's got different philosophies in business. Yep. I guess that's the only reason I brought that up. I didn't know if that was ever an issue with you or regret sharing that stuff. So your company, can you give us a basic use case for someone finds out about you, what you do to make money and help them?
0: Yeah. There's a few different ways that we make money, but essentially people learn about us through any number of different inbound marketing channels or outbound that we're using. We do a lot with advertising as well as our own LinkedIn stuff that we do for our clients. People usually attend a webinar, read my book, opt in for some content on our email list for a while, and then sign up to talk with somebody on our team and either hire us to implement what we do on their behalf or they will purchase one of our training programs. There's some other nuance to it, of course, but that's really the gist of it, man. And we have a few different things that we do. So a couple of years ago we acquired a company that focuses on lead generation with Facebook specifically, as well as other ad platforms. Whereas linked selling historically, we were all about organic on LinkedIn. And so we went out and acquired a team of experts that do paid ads lead generation. And so now we have a lot of our clients that are getting on board with that, which is really, really effective using Facebook ads, but LinkedIn ads as well. One of the few companies out there these days that really understand how to use LinkedIn ads to get sales appointments. That's been a huge area of growth for us too. Some of our clients and customers are doing none of that stuff. So our sales automation tool and email marketing platform that we've had thousands of people sign up for and use called Connect 365. And that's, right now, the best price we have on that is $47 a month. So we've got people spending 47 bucks a month to a few thousand dollars for training to 30, 50, 100,000 type contracts for we'll do it all for you. That's pretty much the lay of the land. So why do you want to do this interview? You know, we do a lot of interviews. My business partner, Ben Niffen, and I do a lot of these. It's rare that we turn them down. I don't know if you guys reached out to us or how it came about, but here we are.
1: You exclusively work on LinkedIn? Because I know you just mentioned something about Facebook as well. So I just want to make sure that we are totally understand what your business is today.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you want me to recap everything I just mentioned. We have a division of our company that helps businesses utilize different ad platforms to generate leads and appointments as well. And they help people build funnels. And a lot of it's fully outsourced as well. And primarily that's Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads.
1: Because originally, was it just LinkedIn? That's the reason, I mean, it's called linked selling. So I'm trying to make sure my audience and I understand fully if you're just on one platform and you talked about Facebook lightly. So again, I'm just trying to make sure that we're all on the same page before we reel it back to figure out how you started this company.
0: Yeah, like I said, been linked selling historically where we started was we didn't have any clients that were hiring us to help them manage ad spend and traffic through ad platforms like LinkedIn's ad platform or Facebook's and it was all organic. So we would log in and... And use your LinkedIn account on your behalf to connect with prospects and use this system we've developed to move them into sales conversation. And then more recently, we've started to expand our services to include some other things. But our main platform is still LinkedIn. And then people usually come into our world for LinkedIn stuff. And then there's opportunities to help them in some other ways.
1: Have you been doing that on purpose to make sure you're not just on one platform?
0: Well, it didn't happen by accident. So yeah, I mean, it was intentional. But I think that there's different schools of thought on you can either stay focused on just doing one thing. But then when you get a lot of customers coming through the door that want help with other things, and they're going elsewhere for services, and we want to be a place where more and more of what they're doing with lead generation and sales, that we want to be able to help them with a lot more than just the LinkedIn piece. It just made sense strategically to have some other things that we offer to our clients for cross-selling and upselling and to be able to help people in more ways.
1: Things can happen by accident. You do realize that, right? Of course. The reason I was asking, some people don't want to be all on one platform and some people totally want to be on one platform. So mm-hmm. again, that's why I was asking, what's the most interesting part of starting your business? I'm That's what I'm trying to reel it back to and figure out.
0: Oh boy. I, I can talk about how my journey of how I started the business pretty quickly to go from college to when we got started without rambling too much and be pretty quick. And it's a good part of the backstory of how we got started.
1: Just tell us when you graduated college and then quickly kind of, I guess the years between you actually starting LinkedIn selling. Yeah.
0: I graduated from school in like 2003 undergrad MBA 2005 but I just doing that part-time while I was working and the first job I got right out of school which I felt really fortunate to get because it was a really cool company that gave me a lot of opportunity was a small business with about 100 employees here in St. Louis a construction and manufacturing company and I was the first finance person they'd ever hired so my undergrad was in finance. And then I was able to really just kind of jump in and be able to get involved in a lot of different things, do a good job for them and was recognized really quickly as somebody who knew what they were doing. And I was hustling hard and I was really passionate about that company. And within a few years, we had grown from about 5 million in revenue to about 20 million in revenue. At that point, the head of the finance department, but also just doing a ton of other stuff, directly reporting to the CEO and owner of the company, wearing a lot of hats on the leadership team. And that company, unfortunately, was hit really hard by the downturn in the economy and 08, and then was forced to shut its doors in November 2009. I was really then faced with the decision, do I want to go work for another company and go do some interviews, find another job or go work for myself? And I'd really been itching to do my own thing probably for a good year. So I was with that company, the construction company for six years, probably the final year I was there. I was thinking about what's my next step going to be and really thinking about doing my own thing. So I was 29 when I started my current company and this is early 2010 at first i kind of positioned myself as an outsourced cfo so i utilized the finance background i then had in running that business and their finance department and the network i had built up on linkedin in the years leading up to me starting my business and people knew that i was running the finance department at this construction company so i had some credibility in that regard i knew there's a lot of small businesses that need help with finance and their spreadsheets and all that most people just don't understand that stuff i started doing that i was able to get some clients up and running and What was working best for me was what I was doing on LinkedIn. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was really developing a system to get cold prospects on LinkedIn to view me as an expert and an authority in my space to get referrals, to get sales appointments. And it allowed me to grow that business within my first year to the six figure mark. And then I had a couple of those clients who said, Hey, this stuff we see you doing on LinkedIn all the time, do you think that would work for us? And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me where I thought, well, maybe this will work for other people. And at the same time, I'm not and this was in 2011 at this point, I'm not seeing anybody out there who's really niched into LinkedIn. Like there's a lot of social media gurus out there, but there's just not many people really know how to use LinkedIn specifically to get real bona fide sales appointments. So there was one of the companies was serious about hiring me to do this for them. And I actually at one point looked to find a company that maybe I could refer them to somebody who really does this full time. And I couldn't find them. So I said, sure, I'll do it for you. I think I know how it would work. And it worked really well. So they're still a client to this day. They've done nearly 30 million in sales from the work that we've done for them. And it was successful pretty quickly for them back in late 2011 is when we got started with them. Early 2012, they started hitting some real home runs with what we were doing for them on LinkedIn. And this is a big manufacturing company. At that point, I thought, I bet there's other businesses we could do this for. Built selling.com, just did some basic content marketing to try and get it in front of some people, and it really quickly started taking off. 2000, I would say mid-2012, I stopped doing the outsource CFO business, I started winding down the five to eight clients that I had at any point in time on that side of things, and I went all in on linked selling. And at the time, it was, the only thing we offered was, we'll just do it for you. Really quickly, I found that we were getting lots of lots of folks signing up for our webinars and opting in for all of our content and all that kind of stuff who weren't going to hire us to do it for them because they were much smaller businesses, people just starting out, you name it. And so I realized that we had an opportunity to provide training at a lower cost to those folks. So in 2012, we started offering our training programs in some different forms. First one was called Linked University and that was super, super successful. And for the next few years, we just really focused on Growing those two parts of our business. And it has been the backbone of what's got us here today and the success that we've seen. You hear about a lot of companies out there that are a lot more successful than we are. But when I was first starting out, working out of my house, doing the CFO thing, I really didn't have a vision of creating a company with a bunch of employees. Maybe it was a limiting belief of mine or something, but I really just thought, boy, it'd be great if I could get enough clients to pay my bills. And then once I did that, I then was like, maybe there's another level here that I could explore. And one thing just leads to another. And it's really been an amazing thing for us.
1: So it kind of happened by accident, huh? It's
0: more about you do some things and you figure some stuff out and you try some things and some things stick and some things don't. I don't know many people who start businesses with a business plan and it ends up being exactly what they thought it was going to be. I think it's about being opportunistic in a lot of ways. You can call that accidental if you want. Sure.
1: Well, what do you do originally that the people saw you doing on LinkedIn? Can you tell us specifically how you started kind of mastering that and what people saw that what you were doing?
0: Yeah. So I was connecting with lots of people that looked like they could be a fit for my business. I was then inviting them into a LinkedIn group that I started called Small Biz Forum. That group still exists today. It's got 15,000 members or something like that. And at the time though, it was relatively new and I was able to grow it to I don't a thousand members or something like that relatively quickly. And they were, all people who I had hand selected to invite into this group. Then I was just filling it with content that I thought business owners would get value out of. And then my name was staying really top of mind with them because they were seeing that content on a regular basis. And then on top of that, I would run uh, messaging campaigns behind the scenes to reach out to people. I was posting status updates on LinkedIn. So it was really just a, a massive top of mind campaign with picking the exact prospects that I'd want to do business with and making sure, get them into my group, make sure they're seeing my content, stay regular on there. And a couple of people were seeing that stuff and they were tuned into it. These were clients of mine. And then they were like, "All this stuff on LinkedIn, that's interesting. And at the time, people were just starting to get tuned into, huh, there's this thing LinkedIn. And I can see that a lot of people on there look like they'd be good clients of mine, but I don't know how to really pluck them off LinkedIn and try and get them into a real world conversation. And so I think it was just good timing for me at that point. And then, like I said, being opportunistic enough that when I had a couple clients say, hey, do you think that would work for me? I put a plan together for them and did it for them, and it worked.
1: Whether you're developing your personal brand, building your own business, or working for a large organization, your online presence is critical to your success. Pantheon is the leading web ops provider, powering more than 285,000 websites and trusted by small business, startups, and some of the most well-known brands. Rated as the leading product for both small businesses and enterprises, and named one of the top 10 software products of 2019 by G2 Crowd, Pantheon's web ops platform helps you build, manage, and optimize your most important brand asset, your website. Whether you're just beginning to build your dream or already well on your way, Pantheon can help you deliver the best online experience and future proof your digital presence. To learn more about how Pantheon can help you and your business, go to pantheon.io millionaire. That's pantheon.io millionaire. Or scroll to the episode notes below to find out more about Pantheon. Were you using like macros or anything or hiring virtual assistants to help you connect with all these people every day, spend a couple hours on LinkedIn, just connecting with as many people as you could? Yeah, I probably spent an hour a day on LinkedIn at that time. Yeah, right. And you just thought, if I just keep connecting with people, eventually I'm going to get some leads out of it. I mean, because this was even before you kind of started your CFO business, you were doing this at your construction business that you were working for.
0: I was building my network on LinkedIn before I ever needed it. Just intuitively felt like it was a valuable thing to get connected and known with lots of people in my industry, in our local area here in St. Louis. And so I was just doing it for that reason, which I think is why a lot of people use it. And then from there, it's not just about Once I started needing to use it to actually get some business out of it, just connecting with people is usually not going to be enough. And it was the case then and that's the case today. You can't just connect with people and then just hope that like some of the people you connect with think that your profile is so awesome that they're gonna reach out to you and wanna hire you. It usually doesn't happen like that. You gotta have a strategy for connecting with them and then having a way to position yourself so that they see you as a leader and a player and an authority in your market. Build the relationships, stay top of mind, drip some solid content out to them and then have a way using usually one-on-one messaging behind the scenes that nobody else sees but you and the person you're messaging work them through some sort of messaging sequence that then invites them into a conversation. And then there's some percentage of people who you'll just have reach out to you without you having to do much, but you can't just rely on that.
1: Was your first strategy? Is you're going to connect with as many people as you can. And then when you realized, hey, you know, maybe I can get some business out of it, did you start looking at your profile and trying to add credentials and stuff like that to it? Like, what was the strategy?
0: The strategy was connect with them. I mean, my LinkedIn profile, I had some information about what I did. We're much better nowadays at crafting a LinkedIn profile that stands out. But at the time, it wasn't a huge part of my focus. I had a few bells and whistles on there, but not too much. The main thing was get them into my LinkedIn group so that then they're going to see my stuff on a regular basis. My name's going to keep popping up. And when they're in the market for what I do, I'm going to be the one they think of. And that worked.
1: Okay. So the main thing that worked in the beginning was the group, inviting everyone to that group. And when you message that group, it goes out to everybody, kind of like a mass email.
0: They're not going to see everything. Back in that day, you could send an announcement out that's like a mass email to the group once a week. And you can't do that anymore. LinkedIn took that away. I think it may return someday. I don't know, maybe not. But at the time that was a cool thing, but it was really just that the people get the digest of activity in the groups. Every once in a while they pop their head into the groups that they're in and see what kind of content's going on. Group posts for groups that they belong in would show up in their homepage feed on LinkedIn. It's just kind of all of those things together that then every once in a while they see my name pop up. It's not like every day, every person in the group was seeing my name, but every once in a while it would. And as long as the people in the group once or twice a month see my Name, I'm going to win.
1: I feel like a lot of people, maybe at this stage when they're figuring out about LinkedIn, they're connecting with a lot of people, but maybe they aren't making the group like you did and inviting them all to it. So I'm just trying to figure out what else made you stand out. I don't know if you were Googling like how to hack LinkedIn or get more leads or like what were you doing on the site?
0: Not really. No, I was just trying to figure it out on my own. Nowadays, you want to go Google what you just said, you're going to find. Lots and lots of articles out there with people talking about stuff that may or may not work. Back then, there was hardly anything out there. So it was really just trying different things on my own and seeing what would stick. I think that one of the things was is that I had seen some other groups before I had started my business. I was on LinkedIn, of course, maybe had like 500 connections or something like that. And I was a member of other LinkedIn groups. And so I saw the power that the people who owned and managed and ran those groups had and that the exposure that it gave them and the notoriety that it gave them. It was really just in that sense saying, wow, I see what these other people are doing. And I think that could work for me too.
1: You're saying it was the early days where you couldn't even find anyone to refer who could do this. So this is kind of why you stepped into the space. Sure. So how much money did you actually have saved up when you officially started cuz you had a transition between the 2009 the construction company yeah. and you said you became an outsourced CFO. I don't yeah. know if you had a lot of money saved up doing that. And then so yeah, just tell us how much money you had saved up and how long it took to generate revenue for this LinkedIn business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had about 5,000 cash when I started to my name. And in early 2010 when I started, I didn't have a big runway, but I had a couple credit cards that I probably had, I don't even remember, but it was probably something like 20 thousand dollars of credit card availability that I was willing to use. I didn't have to ever tap into it. Because I was fortunate that in my first 30 to 60 days, somewhere in that range, I got my first client to help with finance stuff, the CFO business. And that was really a godsend for me. And that gave me the cash flow to be in the game and to sleep a little better at night. Had I not landed that very first client, it would have been more challenging, but I would have made it. I know I would have just because I never had to tap into those credit cards and I was 100% ready to do it. I never had to really even get that aggressive with going after clients. There's things I I was considering doing that. I never had to do like I was considering doing some work for people for free to get my foot in the door and things like that. I never had to do it. So that's kind of how I started.
1: And it makes sense that if you were trying to build up your CFO business where you're coming in financials, to me, it makes more sense why you would want to build up your LinkedIn because those are business acumen people who need a guy who has a good profile that says he's good at finance versus a plumber, for example, that would be on LinkedIn. If you're starting off trying to start a plumber business, I don't think it would make much sense when you're trying to build up your LinkedIn profile and do all that. Yeah. Do you think that's right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you're a plumber, if you want work, if you're trying to get homeowners to pick up the phone and call you, then no, don't do it. If you're a plumber and you get a lot of work from general contractors, home builders, commercial construction companies, then yeah, LinkedIn is something you should totally be paying attention to. But yes, in my case, I wanted to get in front of business owners in the St. Louis area, probably more like one to 10 million in revenue because somebody who's at zero isn't probably not going to hire an outsourced CFO. LinkedIn is a perfect place to do that. And also at the same time, like you can't search for that on Facebook. There's some things you can do on Facebook with their ad platform to target revenue levels and titles and things like that. But there is no people search on LinkedIn that's going to give you the list of those people to go connect with. And those people also, and this is still true today, Like a lot of those people are on Facebook, many of them using it every day. I'm a huge fan of Facebook, even for targeting B2B. But organically to go connect with people. A lot of people don't want to connect on Facebook. They think it's a thing for their actual family and friends. But LinkedIn, they're open to connecting with lots and lots of people. And so it was a natural fit for me.
1: So it was 2010 when you're making this transition. How long did you do the CFO stuff for? About the same time? or I did the CFO stuff for about two years. Before that. Okay. So right when you started LinkedIn selling, I guess you had saved up some more money because you made money from being a CFO yep. or outsource CFO. Yep. Okay. So why don't we just talk about day one, starting linkselling.com, you kicking it off and having the idea and just how things went, if everything went to your expectations. And how old were you
0: too? When we started link selling was early 2012, seven years ago.
1: So I was 31. So yeah, you're 31 starting link selling. Okay, good. Yep. Yeah,
0: I had that first client that I told you about and it was at that point that I was too busy to do it all myself. So I brought on my first employee, who is now co-founder and president of our company, an amazing guy named Ben Niffin at that point, I think I was able to put some money in the bank. The first year and a half or so of doing the CFO business, this was a big deal. I mean, I was spending within my means and I never increased my lifestyle as I started making more money with the CFO business. So then by the time I started linked selling, I had cash in the bank and some confidence that I was going to have stable enough revenue that I could afford to bring in my first employee and still be profitable. And that's kind of how we've operated most of the time ever since because we're totally bootstrapped. We're not taking on investments to grow and all that kind of stuff. We're not the kind of company that loses money. When we started link selling officially with Ben and I in early 2012, I had 20000 in the bank or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but it's in the ballpark. And we were successful. We grew. We tripled in revenue every year for the next three years. And then once we got to about 5 million, we hit a little bit of a plateau and growth. It's harder to continue tripling each and every year, the bigger you get. And so some growing pains around that 5, 6 million level. But yeah, man, I mean, I would say it exceeded my expectations what we've ended up achieving. In our first year with Ben and I, we had our sights set on, let's get some more clients. And we were both very optimistic that we could have a really profitable business where we both had great incomes. And that was really our main focus. We weren't talking about, let's create a much bigger organization and impact thousands of businesses around the world. And we just weren't thinking at that level really. But one thing leads to another and here we are.
1: So were you both working from home at the point?
0: We moved into a co-working space at that point. I was working from home up until that point. And then as soon as Ben came on officially, we moved into a co-working space and and worked in there together for a couple of years. And then a couple of years after that, we moved across the street into our own office when we had about five people and outgrew the co-working space. And we stayed in that building way too long, but kept our expenses down by doing so until we moved into a bigger building. We bought a building last fall that about 5,000 square feet and totally renovated. it. And it's a really cool space here in Soulard in St. Louis, for anybody that's familiar with Soulard or the Benton Park neighborhood, which is in, it's not technically downtown St. Louis, but it's in the city.
1: Did you start off by kind of, again, creating like a LinkedIn selling group? Is that what kind of kicked it off on finding these clients? I know the first one was kind of accidental, right? And that's how you kind of created the company. But to find future clients, what was your plan?
0: Basically, what we were doing was just good blocking and tackling with content marketing and getting all that content out on LinkedIn and continuing to connect with prospects and get our content in front of them, making them aware that we're here. Lots of LinkedIn group promotions, posting content in lots of different LinkedIn groups generated a lot of traffic
1: for us at the time. Were you doing all this or were you hiring like a virtual assistant to do it? Me and Ben were doing it. Okay. Cause I just wonder, cause it seemed you never got bored of doing all that type of stuff, of creating the content, going to all these groups, doing it all.
0: No, I didn't get bored. I mean, once we got to a certain point with the business, it wasn't until I think one of the things I should have done earlier was hired an assistant to do some stuff. I held on to that for a long time because I've always placed a real emphasis on making sure that the business is profitable and that we're generating a lot of cash flow. But yeah, that was definitely something I should have done earlier because then you can spend more of your time on higher value activities than some other stuff that I was doing, like sending out invoices and maybe putting content into LinkedIn groups or whatever it is. But at the time, I was just working my ass off and enjoying it and loving the journey that we were on. Just really proud of what we were creating and getting a lot of energy from the results that we were creating. I thought it was all really cool and really fun. So I was down with it. After a couple of years doing all that stuff on my own though and starting to see that the company had the possibility to really get to a bigger level, I started to be a little smarter about where I was spending my time and started bringing on other people and delegating some of that stuff.
1: But even if you still did it today or whatever, I mean, just as long as you were enjoying it, like for me or maybe somebody else, maybe they would get tired of doing that. But at least if you're seeing results, I think that's probably what even drives you just as much as if you're getting revenue. If you're seeing something work and you're doing it, then and I'm in your position, then I'm like, okay, maybe I would want to keep doing it. But if I go into Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups now and start doing that and I'm not seeing results, I think most people just kind of give up. Sound like those type of things that you were doing were working from day one because you had done it before. So, I mean, is that what happened? I mean, were there any mistakes there early on?
0: There was a lot of stuff I did that didn't work. The LinkedIn thing was one of the things that I did that did work. So I don't want to give anybody the impression that my first couple of years in business, I just hit bat in a thousand and just nailed it. That wasn't the case at all. I mean, I was doing a lot of the stuff people say you're supposed to do, like going to coffee meetings and networking events, chamber of commerce stuff. And to me, it just didn't fit my personality for one. And that's probably the reason why I didn't get a lot of results from it. I know other people that do that kind of stuff and can be really successful with it. But it just didn't get me anything. In the early days with the CFO business, I was blogging and trying to do basic social media stuff that everyone was saying you're supposed to be doing, posting on Twitter and having a Facebook. Business page and posting updates there. And a lot of that stuff wasn't working for me. I wasn't getting leads from SEO, even though I was trying to. And it was this LinkedIn stuff that really worked for me. I mean, the other thing too, man, is like when I was starting my business 29 years old, a lot of people, even though I had the experience at the prior company I was with and growing that company, being a part of that company's leadership team, and doing a lot of serious stuff, still a lot of I'm sitting down in front of a 60-year-old business owner and they're just looking at me like you look way too too young for me to trust you with all my finances. So I had to overcome that and wasn't all sunshine all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe even yeah, you repositioning yourself as a LinkedIn guy since you're younger and this is new social media kind of thing where it's almost the reverse. So I think if an old guy came in and started doing that, you'd be like, I don't know. But if you're younger, just automatically, they probably thought, okay, this guy knows something about technology. I appreciate you saying that, yeah, you did things that weren't working out because it kind of sounded like everything was just like hitting and going well. But it sounded like part of the reason this worked too, you said you were working your ass off. Like how much were you? working? Because maybe all these extra hours that you're putting in the stuff that didn't work, after those things didn't work, you're able to actually put it back into LinkedIn and make it work.
0: I was working a lot, man. I was going out to client offices. Usually most days I was spending a half day or more at client offices or just out, like I said, doing the networking thing, having lunches with people or whatever. And then I was coming home and I was doing all this other stuff. So if I'm going to quantify it, I'm going to say I probably worked 60 to 70 hours a week, something like that. So I wasn't like 100 hours or some of the crazy stuff you hear about people like Tesla doing or whatever, but I was definitely putting in the hours and working most nights on this stuff, but it was fun for me. It was exciting for me. It was not drudgery to come home and then fire up the computer and work on my marketing at night. I also was single at the time and I didn't have a son I didn't have a wife. I had the flexibility to really go all in. So I'm not going to discount that. But yeah, man, it was a lot of hours. I mean, the other thing too, is that I was trying a lot of things. I was pretty sure that I didn't want to just do the finance thing my whole life. I just was not super passionate about helping people with their spreadsheets, even though sometimes it was fun and I was good at it and got some fulfillment from it. But I was trying a lot of different things and the LinkedIn business was one that I tried. I had dabbled in some real estate stuff, tried with one of my buddies to get into Flipping houses to try and make some money out. Spent a lot of time on that and basically broke even and decided it wasn't for us. I had a couple clients I was helping with SEO, content marketing, website maintenance type stuff. And so I was seeing if I could make a go with that. Quickly realized at that time and still today, that's a very competitive space to play in. And the prospects for growing that as a business just didn't seem that appealing to me. I had three or four different ventures that I was actively involved in and had money coming in from in the early first two years. And I was spending a lot of time on it, but it was exciting. It was fun.
2: Over the past 70 years, there's been a dramatic shift towards single-use plastics in our society. In the beginning, it was an incredibly promising technology that opened possibilities beyond our imagination. Then it became trash. We now produce 300 million tons of plastic every year. We have developed a disposable lifestyle. We now face the incredible damage we have inflicted on our environment. One reason for hope is the extraordinary nature of human intellectual accomplishment. Creative ways of recycling and reusing reduces demand for production of new plastics. At Allmade, we're committed to only using recycled polyester in our triblets. On average, each shirt prevents six plastic bottles from ending up in landfills or the ocean. Allmade is dedicated to finding new and innovative ways to reduce our demand, will you? If you're looking for more information about All Made,
1: be sure to tune in to episode 131, where I interview the founder, Ryan Moore. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And old school payroll providers just aren't built for the way you work today. Gusto is here to change all that. They're making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. In fact, 9 out of 10 customers say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. Gusto also saves you time. 72% of customers spend less than 5 minutes to run payroll. Don't believe all the good things you're hearing about Gusto? Well, just Google them. People love Gusto, and how often do you actually hear someone say they love their payroll provider? So, to help support the show, go to gusto.com forward slash millionaire. They're offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. You'll get three months free once you do your first payroll. And again, the link is gusto.com forward slash millionaire. Yeah. And when you're going to do those meetings, were you basically showing them like, hey, this is how I've grown my old CFO business and this is what I can do for you? You felt like you had to go in person to show them about linkedselling.com?
0: Yeah. When I would meet with prospects about linked selling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In 2012, it was really about leveraging the success I had with that first client and demonstrating expertise and sounding like I knew my shit. I was able to talk about the LinkedIn stuff, but I was also able to talk about business objectives because of my background in business and in finance in a way that I think resonated with people and was different than what a lot of social media gurus out there were talking about at the time. So I think it was, I had managed to put together a compelling presentation, but yeah, it was really that one case study from that first business that was doing well, then mapping out a strategy for businesses that would work and giving them the chance to sign on without a massive commitment. And also there were some other case studies that I was leveraging that were third-party case studies of other companies, bigger brands who had published some case studies about what they were doing on LinkedIn that I would show people those as well. Yeah. So that was it. But at that time though, a lot of the people we were talking to that we were bringing on as clients, they were people who were like, I know there's something to this LinkedIn thing. And this company linked selling might be really new, but they seem like the only people talking about it that sound like they know what they're talking about. So I think we had a little bit of a first mover advantage at the time and that probably played into it too.
1: And what did you charge and was it the right price, whatever you ended up charging? Because it seems like a lot of people kind of make that mistake and undercharging or maybe not finding out exactly how much they could have actually made with a client.
0: I think it was fine at the time. I think we started around $1,500 a month for us to do our thing for a fully outsourced campaign. I think in the beginning, we were asking for a three-month minimum commitment. So it was really easy for people to give it a shot.
1: And what would you set them up with, like this LinkedIn group and stuff? Because I want to understand, like, I guess, you and your partner are working on this at night. You go and sell during the day, sell them on the stuff, and then you actually create it at night over the next couple months?
0: I mean, by that point in time, what we would sell them on was we're going to figure out what are your clients look like? What does a prospect look like for you? Who are your best prospects that we can get you connected with? Once we're clear on that, we're going to get you connected with a lot of them. We'll help you strategize a LinkedIn group, build a community that you're going to be the leader of it. We're going to invite all these people into, we're going to strategize with you about what kind of content we're going to need to have as part of this campaign. And it's usually content not about what our client does, but it's about what their prospects care about. So people want to stay tuned in and keep getting the content and view our client as Somebody who is a real valuable resource and not somebody that's just talking about themselves all the time. And then once we had an agreed upon strategy on all those different aspects and a few other things that we would do, then we would manage it and launch it. And by that point in time, it was not really working at night on it. No, because I had Ben and he would do a lot of the actual work at that point on LinkedIn for our clients that we were doing LinkedIn stuff for. So I was doing most of the marketing and sales. He was running the campaigns once we brought him in the door.
1: It was very clear on your example now of what you did there early on. Okay. Now it makes total sense to me of like, okay, they can understand. At least I'm getting connected with my clients and you're trying to make sure you're getting connected with the right people. It's not like you're randomly connecting them with people. So I think anyone objectively, even if they didn't understand LinkedIn at the time, they understand that process. Okay. I want to connect with this prospect. I'm going to do it online. And then eventually it Makes sense that if I can be shown as the guy who knows this about certain content, then people know I'm the expert. Yeah, just walk us through, I guess, the years of building it. I mean, what other obstacles you went through? And you said you tripled the business every year for the first three years, which must have been exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was very exciting. And I think we did it the right way in a lot of ways. We've had to learn some lessons in some other ways. At points in time, we hired too many people that we needed. And unfortunately, then would have to let them go. Six months later, once we kind of grew into our growth and realized we had brought on too many people and or they weren't the right people, and that's probably was... at any point in the history of the company, it's the when you have to let people go, and it's not because they're bad. It's because, like I said, maybe we brought on too many people. And that only really happened once, I think, but it's one time that really stands out to me. If you got to let a few people go because you shouldn't have hired them in the first place because you don't really need them and you just overhired, you don't feel good about that. We're really intentional about that kind of stuff now. We try to make sure that we are bringing on people that are going to be with us for a long time. And it doesn't always work out, of course when you grow from two to 48 people. But we have a great track record on that front now. And very, very rarely does anybody leave our company. I mean, everybody says this, but I think our retention rate says something about our culture. And other lessons learned along the way. One of them was that, like I mentioned earlier, I could have gotten out of my own way sooner. I was the main salesperson of the company until I think sometime in 2013, could have outsourced that sooner. We should have raised prices sooner with our training programs, we were selling them at too low of a price.
1: How much were you selling them for?
0: Oh, when we first started with LinkedIn University, it was $97. You get everything lifetime access. And that was our first training program. And now we don't sell that program like that anymore. We eventually increased the price of that to a couple thousand dollars. But even that I feel in a sense devalues what we do. And it's worth way more than that for the outcomes that we generate for our clients. Now is a seven thousand dollar program that when we started was in a sense ninety-seven dollars. So that's pretty profound there. Now that program now, it's a much different ballgame. We weren't structured to sell it for seven thousand dollars then. Because now when somebody joins that program, there is a lot of one-on-one support. We actually implement a lot of the work to help them get the machine set up and then hand it off to them to run it. So we kind of do the hard work of getting it all up and running for them. So it's much more high touch. And also at that price point, it's not the kind of thing that we're just selling with emails and a webinar. It's a phone sales team then of coaches who are having conversations with people and business owners who are interested in implementing our stuff. And we didn't have that infrastructure back then. But we could have moved to that a lot faster. We could have gotten to that place within a couple years, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And that's just the way it goes. And I'm certainly not upset about it. I think the path we took was the path that we had to take to get to where we're at now. And we've done well along the way. One of the other things that was a learning lesson for me was just like outsourcing sales was outsourcing marketing. And I didn't outsource sales. I meant hire our first salesperson, right? And we didn't outsource our marketing either. We promoted an account manager from within our company to be a marketing manager full-time in the business. That was a real turning point for our company. To have somebody full-time working on our marketing was a real turning point. Because before that, it was me doing it. And it was also me doing the sales. It was also me overseeing all sorts of stuff. And like I mentioned, sending the invoices and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so by the time I was able to have other people take some of those things off my plate, it it allowed us to really, really start growing. And that can be a challenge because getting the right people is not always easy. Sometimes easier said than done, I guess. But we hired from within for that role and had somebody that I knew was at least a culture fit he started doing some of the work that position required prior to being given that title and full-time responsibility. So I kind of had seen what he was going to be able to do and that he was passionate about it. And then once he moved into that role, it really took a lot off my plate. And just like any position, I think one thing we had to learn early on was that sometimes it takes time for people to really turn into A players. And not everybody's going to start as an A player, but they can become one. And sometimes it takes a year before you know what you got in somebody for all sorts of different reasons. And we've seen that time and time again. And that person now who was started as our marketing manager is now our director of marketing, oversees our entire marketing team, and is just invaluable to me and is a real asset and great person, great leader in our company as well. You know, those are a couple of things that come to mind.
1: Was there ever an issue with like LinkedIn being upset with you if you were like doing this as a business or helping other people grow their accounts or connections and then, for instance, like shutting down profiles? Because they did that to me personally. They're like, you've added too many connections. I imagine there has to be some horse stories or something that you ran into?
0: Not us. We've heard of other companies that have experienced that, but we believe that we teach people how to use LinkedIn the right way and how to use it responsibly and use it for building real relationships with prospects as opposed to just playing it as a numbers game and spamming lots of people. And so we haven't had those kinds of problems. We're not a company that's like using bots and macros and stuff like that to try and ratchet up the numbers. We have a team of people here in St. Louis that do all this work for our clients. We don't outsource anything overseas or anything like that. So we just try and do things the right way. And we've never had an issue like that. In fact, we work closely with LinkedIn on a couple different fronts. One of their reps is coming out here to our office to visit with us actually in the next couple months. We are oftentimes working with them on new things that are coming out on the platform and have access to some of that stuff before it's rolled out to everybody. So we have a really good relationship with LinkedIn. And one of our software products actually is integrates with the LinkedIn API. So we, we're in their developer platform as well. And yeah, we haven't seen that happen, but it can, it definitely can. LinkedIn is really doing a lot of good work to try and maintain the quality of the platform and to eliminate a lot of the spammy stuff that gives it a bad name. And a lot of the software tools that come and go have been shut down by LinkedIn and they seem to be getting more and more aggressive about doing that. And that's just the way it's going to go because Facebook doesn't allow people to use bots and messaging bots to blast people and connect with tons of people. And it's just not used to be the case that there were softwares that you could scrape lots of IDs on Facebook and do stuff like that on Facebook. And they just completely shut that stuff down. And LinkedIn eventually will too.
1: I asked you one of your favorite tools, you said Google Docs. Do you use that? Or what did you use to kind of like systematize your company? Because it seems like if you're growing from two people to 48, and you said even around the five or $6 million mark, that that was a big hurdle. So were you using Google Docs or something like that to help systematize your company from you and your co-founder doing everything?
0: Yeah, I mean, Google Docs is probably the number one tool that we're using and that we get so much value out of. A lot of our processes and SOPs are in Google Docs, and there's just so many things
1: that we use it for. And that's standard operating procedures, in case anyone doesn't know.
0: Yeah. And a lot of our dashboards we manage through spreadsheets and Google Docs and all that kind of stuff, man. So it's really invaluable for us. Aside from that, we have some internally proprietary software that we've built. We have a team of developers that we use to run our business in the agency. So we have a couple tools we've developed that are really helpful, specific to running our business. And And then, like I mentioned, Connect 365 is a SaaS product that we've developed and commercialized and have a lot of folks using the sales automation and email marketing tool. That really just came from that we needed a better way to do what we were doing for our clients and for our own internal marketing purposes. And that's really where that tool was born. And then we realized that we could really build something pretty special with it. And it could stand alone as its own thing that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and marketers and salespeople could utilize is to get more leads and get more sales and stay in touch with people and all that good stuff.
1: So you're saying it's basically like, is it a CRM or which is a contact relationship manager? Is that like something that you build on with LinkedIn? Because that's the only thing that for me personally, if I'm like trying to keep track of sales and I'm sending in LinkedIn messages, trying to make sure I don't remember like the last time I contacted this guy. That's the only issue I'd have. I know you can search LinkedIn in your inbox and do all that too, but I feel like it was easier to search through Outlook or whatever online Gmail or whatever platform they're using. How did you help people keep track of that to make sure they make money off using your company?
0: All of our clients often come with us with a different CRM that they're using. It can be challenging to try and make that. We can't play the CRM whack-a-mole with every client that pops up. So we developed our own internal process for how we manage every prospect that a client's connected to which tracks every message that they are sent, has all the contact information about that person, is really just a central database for all information about their campaign. And our clients have access to that when they work with us. And then we give that tool to folks in our training programs as well so that they can use it for themselves. And that's how we kind of keep track of it all because you're absolutely right. If you did this stuff and you weren't really detailed and organized with it, it would be a mess and you wouldn't be able to make heads or tails out of any of it. So that organization and details and managing that process is definitely a key component of it. And then our clients who have specific CRMs that they want to use, they have all that information at their fingertips that they can plug in if they want or have somebody on their team plug it all into their system. And sometimes unique situations come up where we can help with some of that, but it's just kind of a case by case.
1: Yeah. I think most people would give up if they're trying to do it by themselves without certain tools. Again, if you're trying to just search through messages and everyone's excited about it at first, right? The first week or two, but if you don't have a way of keeping things organized, and I guess maybe you're saying that like you've created something to help you be a little bit more organized when you're contacting the people because they're using you guys so they can make sales and make money or else they wouldn't be using you. So I was just assuming that there had to be an easier way for them to track everything. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, what do you see for the future of your business?
0: Well, right now we're just really focused on growing the foundation that we've got underneath this point. I think that we've got some work to do to get to where we're trying to go, but we don't have any new crazy things on the horizon that we're trying to do, just incremental growth in our agency. We want to get in front of a whole lot more people in the small business space to really ramp up the training division. And with the software side of our company, we have some really lofty goals for growth there. And we've been really hitting our stride with that the last three to six months. And so that's a really exciting area of growth for us as well. So that's what we're focused on. Well,
1: how about personally, what was the hardest thing about doing all that now that you're looking back? Because I don't know if we really touched on anything personal that might've been the hardest challenge.
0: I guess sometimes with the business and putting in lots of hours, family relationships or my relationship with Jess, certainly there have been times along the way where it's like, I have to put in these hours and do this thing and I can't, go do this other thing that we talked about doing or whatever it might be. But at the same time, that hasn't happened too often. I'm kind of admittedly stretching on this one because I think I've done a pretty good job of work-life balance. And one of my mentors who was the CEO of the construction company I mentioned that I worked for before starting my business said to me, You can't just work all the time because at the time he saw me when I was with a construction company and he saw me working a lot of hours in that business, staying late, coming in early, going to school at night for my MBA, just totally focused on business and trying to build myself up and advance my career and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, it's a whole life. You have to take care of the other parts of your life. And that includes... Not just business, but it also includes your family. It includes working out and staying healthy. It includes nutrition and eating right. It includes reading things outside of business, all that good stuff that I've always really taken to heart. And I also kind of felt like because I run my own business, I shouldn't have to be a slave to it. And I don't, and I'm not going to be. If you consciously make that decision, then you just get done what you get done in the hours that you're willing to work. And so in my first couple of years of starting the business up, I put in a lot of hours and it was a lot of fun. It never felt like sacrifice. And then these last few years, it's been really much different than that. And we have an amazing team that is just doing phenomenal work. I really have never been in a place where I felt like I was sacrificing anything on the personal front in order to grow the business.
1: Like you said, you're working a lot in the beginning and you're given this advice by a mentor. Is there anything that you use to like keep yourself centered or to remind yourself of that? Because I think that happens to a lot of the entrepreneurs who are listening growing their businesses. For me, it's like, okay, I want to keep working on it, but then I'm like, I have to stop or else I'm going to be tired next week, right? Yeah. So I mean, is there anything for you that helps you balance life like you said you're pretty good at doing
0: i've learned how i can operate best over the years i've learned that at least right now and at least over the last couple years that if i pull back a little bit if i take a little bit of time off here and there. If I'm making sure that I'm taking the time to work out, taking the time to disconnect in the middle of the day to eat lunch, taking Fridays off, whatever it is. If I'm not going full throttle, I'm better at what I do. Any days where I work a half day, I'm at my best. Those four hours in the afternoon, I'm at my best. If I went to the gym in the morning and had a healthy lunch and then do some work from noon to four or something like that, I just know, I feel it. And in my head and in my body and in my mind, I know I'm at my best. So I'm able to be a better leader in the company and make better decisions and think more strategically about where we're going and help do my job better if I'm taking care of those things. It just makes it easy for me to live a balanced life when I know that if I don't, I'm not going to be as good.
1: If someone wanted to say thank you for doing the interview or learn about more about your company and maybe how your company could help theirs, what's the best way for them to reach you? Feel free to reach
0: out to me on LinkedIn and send me a connection request and let me know that Austin sent you so I know where you're coming from and who you are. And I'd love to connect with you there. You can email me at joshturner@linkselling.com.
1: And you'll give them that $97 course discount?
0: Well played. (laughs) I tried.
1: All right. Well, thank you again for sharing your story here, Josh. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been made available for free by our podcast sponsors and our Patreon members. So thank you to you both, especially our newest and oldest Patreon members for paying for this episode. Without you guys and gals, we wouldn't be here. So would you be willing to pay for someone else to listen for free? After all, this episode wouldn't be available without our current members helping us cover some of the costs for you to listen for free. If you are willing to help support us and get some awesome Patreon perks along the way, then go to austinsbigp.com to become a Patreon member today. That's austinsbigp.com. Oh, and by the way, Austin's Big P, that stands for Austin's Big Podcast. So again, if you're willing to pay it forward and allow someone else to listen to this episode for free then go to austinsbigp.com.